John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh! Absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. I'm sure a lot of exciting stuff happened in college basketball in the NBA this weekend, but did you guys have two no contests on one main card? Last week, we opened the show by telling our listeners and viewers they should start their own podcast because you got to get some of this stuff off your chest. And once again, we feel like we're up against the clock. Because a UFC fight night gives us so much to unpack. It is Monday, March 15th, 2021. It's episode 292 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Coming up on the six-year anniversary of this bad boy and episode 300. But enough about that. UFC fight night, Edwards versus Muhammad. By the way, if you are watching uh, and you notice a different backdrop for Kenneth Allen Florian, he is in the Pacific time zone today in Southern California. Would not tell me and Cody why he's there in our pre-show meeting. We asked, too. Morning, buddy. Bright and early. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Why are you waking up so weekend? early? If we if we knew you were in LA, we wouldn't have done this show at 7 30 a.m. Pacific. Oh, I'm a beast, dude. I'm a star. I'll get you up are. whenever. I mean, if it's for yeah. the podcast. You That's just won't cool. fight on a, a preliminary card, but you do just about anything else. <laughs> so a lot to get to today. We will recap UFC Fight Night Edwards versus Muhammad. And we will talk to Longo in about a half an hour. One of his guys won a belt on the regional scene. So it was nice for Ray to have that nice. distraction, given how everything went down with Aljamain Sterling. And uh, Ryan Tracy, one of our longtime listeners representing Travis Matthew, the golf clothing company, will come up in the main event challenge and make picks for UFC Fight Night. Brunson versus Holland. But we begin with headlines. And there are sure as fuck a whole lot of them after UFC Fight Night. Edwards versus Muhammad. Let us start with the main event. Anticlimactic is probably the wrong word. But it goes into the books as a no contest due to an accidental eye poke at 18 seconds of round two. And as many people know, Kenny, Bilal Muhammad has a video podcast on our channel, right? So hopefully people can understand we are coming at this from an objective standpoint, regardless of where we fall on this. As far as I'm concerned, this is really disappointing for Bilal in his first UFC main event. I hope he gets another opportunity to headline in his next fight, even if it's not against Leon Edwards, who was warned once prior before the uh, the seminal blow to the eye that, that ended the fight. Doesn't appear as though there's any permanent damage for Bilal Muhammad, but certainly a disappointing conclusion to the main event. Ken, flow your thoughts. No question. You know, um, I was really looking forward to that fight and really interested to see how that was going to go down. Uh, Leon Edwards, first of all, was was looking good uh, up until that point. And, you know, it, it just it doesn't look great. Uh, the fact that, you know, he was warned prior to that. I don't think he was trying to poke Bilal in right. his eye. However, it is a style that a lot of times we get used to, especially using boxing gloves or tie gloves or whatever it is. You know, you're used to kind of framing on people's head and it ends up becoming this thing that you get used to doing. Uh, and it's not something that you're just going to be able to erase necessarily during the fight. It, it, it becomes habitual. And I think that was the case with Leon Edwards. It's it, it's very unfortunate. It's something he's going to have to change um, because, again, when it happened, I, I thought it was more than just eye poke. I, I thought that Bilal was, you know, maybe missing an eye. I mean, it looked horrible. And Bilal is one of the toughest guys I've seen compete. Yes. And he immediately was in tremendous pain uh, and just kind of writhing in pain on, on the octagon canvas. And I was really concerned. And, and it looked like it went deep into the eye. And thankfully, it, there's nothing serious. There's no serious damage to the eye. But, man, that, that, that was awful. It was awful, awful for Bilal, who had, you know, made a quick turnaround to, to compete against yeah. Leon Edwards in this big main event and Leon for Leon Edwards as well, who was a, away for a long time. And we just didn't get the answer we wanted. You know, it, it it's really unfortunate. Thankfully the ringside physician was convicted and stopped the fight as Herb Dean 
sort of waywardly told Bilal to calm down and control his breathing. Bilal knew right away the fight was over. That's why he right. was crying. You know, a lot of people need to wake the fuck up as far as I'm concerned when I'm watching this whole thing on Saturday night. But as far as this main event is concerned, there are a lot of fighters who are dismissive of ring rust as a theme. Dominic Cruz, Leon Edwards, and certainly Leon Edwards didn't look rusty as a striker per no. se. But how can you not suggest that having not had any accrued octagon time in 2020 doesn't hurt his cause a little bit? when it comes to throwing an eye poke that ultimately resulted in this fight going away. Bilal said on these very airwaves a couple weeks ago that he doesn't even spar guys who have that habit in training of extending those fingers outright because he doesn't want to risk it. He has had eye issues in the past. And uh, I don't know. I just feel awful for Bilal. And I do think there's some criticism to be levied at Leon Edwards, not for the performance per se, but when you're in a cycle competing every three months, I think these things might happen less. That's all I'm saying. I, I think there's um, that's a valid point. I, I think that those are things that can be minimized. Um, and, you know, again, it, it's it becomes this habit. You know, John Jones is one of those guys that gets accused of it a lot because, you know, he is trying to frame or trying to keep you away. He has that long reach. And a lot of fighters were kind of frame their glove on the forehead. Well, with the UFC glove, that's not something you could really do because your fingers are hanging out there. Right. Um, and it kind of becomes this default mode. Every time you throw a kick or a punch, you kind of frame and right. uh, for Leon Edwards, it's, it's simple. He's going to have to change that. I know he probably feels bad about it. Uh, I'm just glad that Bilal is, is going to be okay. And there's no permanent damage to his eye because, uh, again, you know, Michael Bisping is one of those guys who had suffered eye injuries. I, yeah. I know a lot of other guys that have, you know, have torn retinas and other issues. So, yeah. Um, it, it, it was really unfortunate and, and it happened very early in the fight, which made right. it almost all the more frustrating. I wanted to hear more from Bisping given his history, but for whatever reason, we didn't hear a ton from Bisping in the moment. And again, I'm not trying to be hypercritical of Leon Edwards. I understand why Leon wants a title fight and wants to spin things forward because he had been out for so long. But I do think if you are to be sincere in your apology, you kind of got to give Bilal a rematch and maybe they can headline these guys on a UFC fight night in the not too distant future. Again, I have respect to Leon Edwards with the number three next to his name. But given the nature of this foul, regardless of what was happening in the fight up until that point, you know, I do believe it would only be right for these guys to run it back. I hear a lot of people now suggesting other matchups for Bilal, Sean Brady, and otherwise I would hate to see this opportunity for Bilal against a top five guy just go away uh, because of a foul like this. Um, as far as accidental fouls versus intentional fouls, Ken Flo, we had an instance on the main card to begin things, Eric Anders against Aaron Stewart, and we will finish up on Leon and Bilal in a second, but that fight went into the books as a no contest due to an illegal knee that knee um, was deemed to be unintentional whereas Piotr Jans two weeks prior was deemed to be intentional do you have anything for us on that because as far as I'm concerned nobody is intending to commit a foul but both fighters in this instance appeared to be intending to throw the knee so why is one intentional and one unintentional yeah I mean listen both are throwing the knee um, you know and for Eric Anders uh he didn't, he didn't get warned by the referee, right? It, it wasn't that thing prior right. to it happening. Um, so I think that was a, a part of it. Um, and, you know, no one had told him he was a down fighter. But at the same time, uh, he threw the knee while his opponent was on the ground. Um, and it kind of – it did hit the glove, but it went right through and landed right on his face. Um, and it was one of those things, again, where he was winning that fight. Um, and – Again, motion, emotions are running high. You're doing well. You're doing your best to try to finish the fight. He had hurt him several times uh, in that fight. Uh, throws the knee, lands it to a down opponent right to his head, and uh, and the fight gets stopped, and it goes to no decision. I mean, it was a no decision, the second one of the night, a second one of the main card, just crazy situation. Um, and again, for Eric Anders, who was winning that fight, I mean, it's a hard lesson, and uh, it's I hope that for any fighter who's watching that, they're learning from both these instances. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, just awful. So Leon Edwards' foul was accidental. If an accidental foul, and I'm reading right from the ABC rules here, if an accidental foul causes an injury severe enough for the referee to stop the bout, the bout will result in either a no contest or DQ if stopped before half of the scheduled rounds plus one second of the fight has been completed. So obviously the round does come into play and did in this instance. 
And for Leon Edwards, sort of pawing the hand out there as he is throwing a kick is a lot different, I think, than a fighter throwing a knee. And I feel awful for Eric Anders, right? I mean, he looked outstanding. He was bludgeoning Darren Stewart. Um, But again, there's just not enough consistency for me when it comes to the referees in this instance, uh, in in these instances. And I would encourage everybody to... um, Google the Association of Boxing Commissions and Combative Sports Unified Rules of Mixed Martial Arts. And they were amended uh, August 3rd, 2016. Then again, August 1st, 2018. I always have them printed. Thankfully, we have Mark Ratner there on the broadcast, Ken Flo, to help with certain details. You know, the NFL obviously has Mike Pereira and other guys who help when it comes to the rules stuff. But, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just feel awful for Bilal. I feel badly for Leon as well to have this type of result after years away. How would you like to see them proceed with Leon Edwards at this point, given the nature of this particular result? Uh, Listen, I I think that you wait for Bilal to get better. Um, I I hope that he's able to make a quick recovery and be able to get back to training and and prepare for another fight. But again, that's like, what, his third fight in, in a short time. It seems like he wants to run it back. Um, and I would love to see it. And I think Leon Edwards, um, I'm sure feels that Bilal deserves that rematch, um, just based on what happened. Um, so, you know, Leon was looking fantastic prior to that point. He, he was looking sharp. Uh, he was keeping Bilal on the outside. He was using a lot of different weapons. Um, and then the eye poke happened. So I think it's something that, that should, uh, you know, be, be scheduled, uh, in the short term, uh, assuming Bilal is good to go. And, uh, hopefully we see that again, man. I think it's a fight that makes sense, uh, given that Bilal now is, you know, his ranking and exactly what happened. So, uh, let's do it. Stylistically. I know a lot of people wanted to see if Bilal Muhammad could extend Leon Edwards and we were sort of robbed of that potential reality, but you're right. Leon Edwards is an absolute monster. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know how highly we think of him and think of him as championship metal and championship material. Um, but again, I think he needs to close this chapter and get some finality with Bilal before he moves forward. Exactly. And I think it's hard for him to move on and get that championship fight. He wanted after something like that. Right. So um, it, it needs to be erased in some way, shape, or form. And I think the best way to do that is to go out there, you know, have a fight against Bilal and, and get it uh, get it finalized in the right way. And generally speaking, my heart goes out to all of these athletes, right? Whether it's Piotr Jan or Aljamain Sterling or Leon and Bilal, they're all dealing with different things. And the fight game's crazy, you know? That's why when I talk about prohibitive favorites and not laying minus 380 because you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for Gavin, Gavin Tucker. I want to talk about that fight for a second, Kempfel. I know last minute you did change your pick from uh, from Dan Egate to Gavin Tucker. And, uh you know, we're all going to celebrate Danny Gate today. There is no doubt yeah. about it. I couldn't be happier for this human being to have this type of result. $50,000 bonus for the new father or new father to be, I think. Um, but Ken Flo, what were your thoughts on a fight that I thought could be the fight of the night that lasted just 22 seconds? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, you don't run head first, uh, into a guy like a Dan Ige, you know, uh, you know, these are the the same things that can deliver these very exciting fights can also deliver a quick knockout. Uh, Dan Ige is known for having heavy hands. This is a guy who is uh, battle tested and proven. Um, And, you know, he ran in a direct straight line right in front of Dan Ige. Dan Ige threw a short shot right down the pipe and put him out. Um, Just a brutal shot. Um, so you can't trade, you know, what fighters need to, to realize is it doesn't matter what you can do to another fighter. It doesn't matter if I think I'm the better striker, I'm the more technical guy. That probably was Gavin Tucker, which is probably why I switched my pickup. Yeah. Um, you know, he he is more versatile in some ways than Danny Gay. He's more technical in some ways. Um, but anytime you trade, Anytime you trade in the pocket with someone, you have the ability to go to sleep and get caught. And that's exactly what happened. He just, the, both of those guys just ran in the center of the octagon and just traded. For Dan Ige, it could have been him going out, but Ige landed first, Tucker's out. Uh, and I think it's a fantastic lesson for, for Gavin. Um, you can't just go out there and trade. He, he didn't get his head off the center line. He was just thinking about 
hurting Danny Gay, and he was not defensively responsible and got caught with a big shot. And I still stand by the fact that I think Gavin Tucker is the best Canadian skill for skill on the roster right now, and I think he'll bounce back in a big way. He's 13-2. and two. This is the first time he's been finished as a pro, but I just don't have enough good things to say about Dan Ige and his chief corner, Eric Nixick, and all of the skill development. You got to think that they put in a lot of hard work and, and learned a lot of hard lessons in that 25-minute main event with Calvin Cater last summer, and, uh, you know, I know Ige was sort of disappointed in some respects that he couldn't show everybody all of that skill development but uh when you can get in and out of there in 22 seconds and live up to your 50k moniker the way he did power to dan Ige. and again i can't emphasize enough his willingness to take on all comers guys like ryan hall and gavin tucker that people don't want to fight exactly so good on you dan Ige. cash the fucking check and uh i look forward to congratulating you in person uh in the not too distant future and again he's ranked at featherweight so dan Ige is getting a big fight next for sure uh what'd you make of the co-main event light heavyweight ryan span over misha serkinov you know serkinov sometimes just doesn't look like he wants to be there other times looks like an absolute killer uh but all credit to uh to ryan span big back-to-back weeks for fortis mma with uh with kennedy and zechiku and now ryan span yeah, listen, I'm not surprised that Span was able to get a knockout like that. Uh, Misha Sirkinov is one of those guys that, uh, again, we talked about this prior to the fight. Uh, he's he's a hard guy to bet on, and he really, more than anything else, um, should be seeking consistency with his performances, and we just haven't seen that over the course of his UFC career. And he really is a talented guy. He can do a lot of things in the octagon. He's improved as a striker. Uh, you know, he, he came in as a highly touted grappler, wrestler, submission guy, and we're getting these inconsistent performances. And, uh, it just seemed like he was getting bullied out there by Ryan Spann. Once Spann started catching him, uh, it seemed like, uh, Spann was just all over him and never allowed Misha to get back into the fight. So excellent performance by Spann. Um, and, uh, he's, he's back on track, man. Excellent finish. He's a really chill guy, but if you follow Ryan Spann on Instagram, you know that there is sort of this renewed focus after the loss to Johnny Walker. But man, every time I see this guy, 205 pounds, you know, he looks like 6'6", super long, really a guy with a lot of potential. And uh, I also think too, and I think about this a lot on the golf course and people may laugh, but like, can you walk up to the ball and like be an athlete for a second and stop like overthinking every little thing? It's a little bit like jujitsu, right? All these different steps to the golf swing. And I'm trying to perfect it when sometimes I need to just walk up and be an athlete. And I got to think for the general safe side, that's part of the messaging for Ryan Spann. Can you just go in there and pretend your life depends on it, which it kind of does and like go knock a guy out. Right. Uh, Absolutely. I think it's really easy to overthink things uh, in in the fight game. And more than anything else, one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is just understanding that, you know, you only focus on controlling what you can control. And, you know, anytime you start overthinking it and thinking what could happen, what you need to do here or there, just trust that your training was enough and that you're going to go out there and compete hard. You've been you've been in there many times. A guy like Ryan Spann is already an experienced guy. And, uh, you know, go out there and, and, and fight the way you train. Another main card result at flyweight, Mateus Nicolau over Manel Kopp, split decision. I know Kopp was very surprised, seemed like the commentators were, but maybe to a lesser degree. You know, I thought this was a close fight at flyweight and – Again, I mean, I'm going scoring on you today, but here is the 10-9 language, folks. A round is to be scored as a 10-9 round when a contestant wins by a close margin where the winning fighter lands the better strikes or utilizes effective grappling during the round. So I thought there were three 10-9 rounds, Kenny. I thought this was a close fight, and uh, I don't know that either fighter should be too upset about the result. What would you think of this one at flyweight? It was a close fight. Um, you know, for at the end of the fight, it seemed like Cop was – um, you know, pouring it on at the end of yes. that third round. He was the guy who was pursuing the fight. He got off to a little bit of a late start. Um, I thought Nicolau did a great job in that first round, was throwing a lot of different strikes. I thought he won the first. I thought Cap won the second. Uh, and once he started turning it on, it, it looked like Cap was going to take over and, and, and get the win. Um, that third round, you know, it seemed like Nicolau was successful uh, a little bit early on and Cap kind of, did a great job at the end of the round. I thought Cap was going to get the win, but certainly a close fight. And it's not one of those things where you could say, oh, that was a robbery. It, it was close. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised. 
Here's the 10-8 language. A round is to be scored as a 10-8 round when a contestant wins the round by a large margin by impact, dominance, and duration of striking or grappling in a round. So it seems to me what a lot of us view as a clear 10-9. You know, he beat that guy by a considerable margin. That's a 10-9 for the red corner. Right. It's actually supposed to be a 10-8, you know. Right. Uh, but again, this is why I uh, I constantly am reminding myself of this language so I can try to be an effective uh, conduit to the fans and communicator. But it's confusing. There's a lot of different layers to it, but congrats to Mateus Nicolau. I remember sitting down with him when he was 21, 22 years old, talking about UFC championship aspirations. He's got a lot of skills and, and had to lean on the heart and the mental toughness late. And Manel Cap, again, this is a tough one for him, right? Back-to-back UFC losses now, but again, a fighter that uh, that I think very highly of as well. Uh, and then lastly, Davey Grant, right? I mean, you got to love this guy. Jonathan Martinez was a pretty big favorite. Factory X has a lot of talented young strikers, Ken Flo, but Davey Grant, found the button didn't miss and uh you know he's willing to walk through fire to get it done as usual i love davy grant uh, really happy for that guy you know he, he's one of the nicest dudes in the sport i mean yeah. uh very likable um i actually met him way back in the day uh when i was fighting and he was not in the ufc at that point but he's a guy who is a student of the game and uh man has he improved his striking or what i mean he, he looked he looked great out there that was definitely the best i've seen him uh, and really had to battle back. He got hit with some big shots uh, and was able to hang in there and show that toughness and um, got an awesome win, man. That that knockout was absolutely brutal, man. He's a killer. So great. And you're right to sum him up as one of the game's true good guys. And we also congratulate Matthew Semmelsberger, a 16-second knockout over Jason Witt, $50,000 bonus for him. And you got to think that is life-changing for uh, the former football player there. All right. Last thing on Bilal and Leon Edwards, and again, I just feel so awful for the way this ended. Thankfully, no long-term damage seemingly for Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. Do you remember the worst eye poke that you absorbed either in training uh, or in an actual fight? And I hope for the sake of the dude who got you in training that there was like an exit door pretty close by. You don't want to be on Ken Flo's bad side. My wife will often say, oh, it's good that you're on that person's good side. <laughs> six years doing this podcast. I'm still on Ken Flo's good side, but it seemed like you shake your head as if to say, thankfully you don't remember getting completely fucking torched in the eye. Yeah. I I've been lucky, man. I, I haven't taken an eye poke. Uh, that was that bad. Thankfully in a fight or in training. Wow. I mean a, a little bit. I remember with BJ Penn a little bit, there was like kind of a, a thumb a little bit when he was kind of trying to uppercut me. I took a thumb, uh, to the eye when I think when I had him on a single leg, but not horrible. Thankfully, um, I remember taking a big shot to the nuts, uh, when I was sparring, I, I usually wore my, my tie cup, my metal cup. I forgot it. I was like, I'll oh, just wear this plastic cup. What's what can go wrong. Yeah. And I took the worst knee ever. Huh. And, uh, my training night was, was, was pretty much done after that. I remember you talking about that steel yeah. tie cup on MMA live in 2008. Yeah. Also congratulations go out to Angela Hill. Of course, 30 to 27 times three over Ashley Yoder. See, I even think in that fight, there was a round that was dominant enough that that might've warranted a 10, eight, but I fucking digress. Ray Longo's on hold. Let us get to the Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast it's taking that hair a long time to grow back. If you want to grow it back to your shoulders, it's going to take a while. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the way you start in the show? Yeah, anything else or we're yeah. going to let you go? I got to go. I got to call you back. Yeah, we should, just put it, <laughs> we should just put it on that. His hair takes a long time. I think it's growing fast. This was a so, short hair. Our good friend Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, finally gets his first UFC main event, which should not be lost on anybody, how important that is for a fighter, the poster and everything else. And granted, there were extenuating circumstances that resulted in him getting this main event. His head coach, Lewis Taylor, his dear friend, was not in his corner because of COVID-19, which is a whole nother variable that we didn't get into. But 18 seconds into round two, second eye poke of the fight from Leon Edwards. And this one uh, ends things via no contest. What'd you think of the main event, my man? I mean, first off, if you're watching that fight and your heart doesn't break, 
for Bilal Muhammad, there's something wrong with you, man. I just, it's horrible. I mean, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody and even just his reaction could crush you. You know what I mean? Cause that was, that was, there, there was, that was real. You're right. You know? So, you know, my thing was, I don't even, it's I, like I've been injured. Like something I get injured. It's not the injury. It's I'm thinking of everything attached to that injury. That's what I think he was doing was like, fuck, I finally got my shot. And he knew it was over with that. eye. I, his eye was so bad. He knew that was over. And I think that was his reaction was you got to be fucking kidding me. We just got started. And again, the problem is, uh, you know, I don't think Leon Edwards won any fans because he's not even like, you got to give the guy an immediate rematch. That's right. The yeah, there's, there's, this is the thing. Instead of even changing the rules, I think this would help everybody. Immediate rematch in the clause if it's a foul. It has to be because that way, you know, uh, Edwards gets penalized anyway, right? You know what I mean? Right. He's got to wait. Right. You, know, you know, if that, the guy gets up to a year to fight you because he was told to keep his fingers, you know, up. Don't point them straight ahead again. Right. right. And keep your fucking hand closed. I agree. I, 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 I agree. Even, honestly, I'm hearing shit, boxing gloves. I'm used to, I don't give a shit. You're poking the guy in the eye. You didn't go to, you went to punch him. What were you, what were, he was, it was like, you know, it was that punch kick, right? Same side. I think it's he a range some, finder, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Pawn, just, hand, whatever you're doing. I mean, I don't know, man, but that was hard. And then. I don't even know. Like, I didn't even hear the guy ask him, I hope his eye's okay. <laughs> no, I did think he apologized, Kenny, but I just feel like – But he's, Leon... he, wants, yeah, he wants to move on, though, John. He's not saying, let's rerun Right. It. Well, Kenny, I feel like because Leon Edwards is not in this active competing schedule and he missed over a year that he's like, hey, man, I got to spin this thing forward. But right. I think we're all in agreement that that they need to run this thing back as soon as possible. Well, the, the fair thing is to run it back and – same thing with Aljo and uh, Jan. I mean, I mean, what a crazy, you know, run it back, period. Well, and that's why Aljo did himself no favors, even though we all know him and we know it was innocuous, yeah. but going down any sort of Cejudo path when Aljo knows in his heart that he's running it back with Piotr Jan. So even though he was having a little bit fun with yeah. that narrative, that opened him up to another avalanche of criticism because – not unlike Leon Edwards, you know, people thought Aljo was trying to spin it forward without a rematch. Right. Well, I, uh, but but I'm telling you, first of all, Aljo's the guy is. I love him. He's fucking crazy. Man. What? <laughs> but yeah. he never, like in any conversation I had with him, there was never a conversation other than the rematch with Peter Jan. Of course, as, as still as of you know that. So yeah, the guy. You know, listen. This is the problem with social media. You know, so look, he could have went that route with Cejudo and go. You know what? Okay, I got an opportunity. Like, I'm sure Chael Sonnen's advice would be, this is the perfect scene. He's the yeah. heel. Be the heel. Right, we, right. You know, like, he'll go that route. And Aljo probably could have did that and drove 30 million people insane based on the shit I was getting. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't right. know. You know, but he that, that was that was never even brought up or thought of. So, who oh, no, knows? He's not even active. What, what sense does that even make? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the guy he calls out, a guy that retired, and everybody's going crazy, right? What is that? Right, right. Yeah. No, like, I. you're right, man. Social I mean, media true, is – he, he But you're right, though. So that did him no – obviously, it did him no harm, or it, it really helped him because he just added another million pay-per-view buys. I don't well, know. Right, right. Then there's that. No, I know. It's uh, – oh, social media is such an inconvenient no, truth. I mean, I'm, I'm just outside trying to smoke a joint this weekend. I come back to 35 tweets saying, hey, you need to learn the rules. It's like, yeah. bitch, I ain't even fucking working right now. Okay, I'm home. <laughs> I'm home. The, the rules to what? How to light a joint up? What rules? Are we <laughs> yeah, right. I kind of used a little <laughs> help with that, but no. Were you in your neighbor's backyard? Is that the rules he's talking about? Yeah. We're talking about like know. illegal knees and stuff. Cause yeah. we were talking about Eric Anders. I wasn't uh, watching that fight live. So I didn't understand what people were talking about uh, in terms of that illegal knee. Did you see that by the way, Eric Anders yeah. and Darren Stewart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Can you explain to me why that knee is unintentional, but Piotr Jans was intentional? Uh, I can't explain it. Okay. All right. Because I know I put Kenful on the spot earlier. Yeah. No, uh, it was – I'll tell you one thing. It was a lead knee, so it wasn't as hard for sure. Like, he didn't he didn't launch him. Like, so I think it was more of a reaction only because it was – I'm, I'm, first off, I'm, I'm grabbing for straws. 
yeah, right. I like I like on the, I like Eric on this, so I don't take and we know he's not a dirty fighter. No, not at all. You know. Yeah. Uh but no, I don't know. No, I love Eric Anders. He was in the best shape of his life. I'm excited to see this Eric Anders version 2.0. And look what he was doing as a plus 160 underdog. He looked good. Against Darren Stewart. But he intended to throw the knee, period. He intended to throw it. Yeah, and I think he – man, I'm really flip-flopping. I think his only defense, Kenny, is to say he was aiming for his hand and his hand was covering his head. There you go. <laughs> exactly. That's where yeah. I'm at. The old hand strike with the knee. Exactly. Listen, guys, I've been saying this for years. It's a fucking kangaroo court. If you think it isn't, you know, with all of the things that are definitely subject, yeah. you're out of your mind, you know. Yeah. And we can always go to the resident expert. What, what did McCarthy say about that? Anybody hear anything on that? I did not. I did yeah. not. I'm sure. I'm sure he's got an answer. But again, the inconsistency he, th- he saw a lot of eye injuries. He thought Bilal Muhammad was faking it. He should have. Well, I, right. I mean, it's like the, it's unbelievable. That's the, joke, obviously, because no, I'll, I know I'll be getting attacked later. Uh, but no, the inconsistencies, the indecision, you know, I want a referee to come down and look at Bilal Muhammad and to have the conviction and the balls to just call the fight right then and there. Thankfully, the doctor came in and was like, yeah, this thing's over. But there seems to be this sensitivity, whether it's the main event or a title's on the line or whatever. There are a lot of referees and doctors that aren't thinking about anything but fighter safety. And they go in and they make the right decision right away. Yeah, look, you want to you get the job done right. First off, the ref, I think, should be taken completely out because the refs are more driven – by popular demand, right? Yes. Nobody wants to look like a big guy. Doctors don't give a fuck, man. I agree. They'll stop that fucking fight. They're always going to err on the side of caution. There's no. I'm going to tell you, if a doctor tells you you could continue, I'm going to say you could continue. You, you know, you, you're going to you can continue because they're never going to do that. You know, they're always going to stop that fight. They have to. They have to play it safe. Whereas the you know the refs, they don't want to look bad. The fans are both. Who knows? If that's the case, but they they're subject more to that than the doctors are. So yeah. I would the refs completely out of it because what happens after a while, and if you listen to these guys, they think they are doctors. I've right, seen right. I've seen that you know that makes them that makes them better than the doctors. I mean, well, I, they, I also think there's that fear that they don't want to you know be the guy that stopped the fight and now the UFC is kind of angry at them when yes. their primary concern is for the fighter. And it's like, you ask Bilal if he can see and Bilal says he can't see anything out of that eye or if a fighter yeah. says I'm seeing double or, you know, you know, I'm in tremendous pain. It feels like my eye dropped out and they're like, I'm going to give him another <laughs> 10 yeah. seconds to see right, right, exactly. calms down. It feels better. You're like, dude, it's not happening. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to happen that day or probably the next day. The fight's done. If a fighter yeah. says they can't see out of that eye, the f- it's done. He's not he, fighting with one well, eye. Kenny, I'm going to make it's It's even worse. And, and if I'm wrong on this, you know, att- you know, attack me. I mean, I guess I'm used to that at this point. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, so when Volante was in Jersey, Right, he gets poked in the eye. So this, this, let me tell you. Think of think of this logic. Volante gets poked in the eye. Um, right, the ref at the time goes, "Can you see?" Volante goes, "No." They stop the fight. So, <laughs> right, which is which is good. So, but Volante could have continued. He's just saying, "I just got poked in the eye." Right, right. So the logic is so. This is what they change. As the ref, and they, you could, I, I, I might be wrong on this, but so they tell the refs from now on, you don't ask the guy if he could see, because of course he can't see. So this is how concerned they are with you. Don't ask him if he could see. Right, right. Just ask him how he feels, and then you know we bring the doctor in and let him look at it because nobody gives a fuck. Right. Of course yeah, you yeah. can't see. You just got a thumb in the fucking eye. Right. No matter what, who could see? Who? Well, can- what we should do is just before fighters get out there. And whatever it is, we poke him in the eye. We do the old, like, you know, the three stooges eye poke. Right. And then we hit him over the head with a baseball bat and we yeah. just have him fight. It's because we don't give a shit about the fighters. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's it. So we don't, from now on, guys, don't ask the guy if he could see because right. we're obligated <laughs> to stop the fight. God forbid. We're obligated to stop the fight. Well, and I said so, it last I mean, week. I mean, but, and this shit, they'll just, I, I don't know. I, I find it insane but and i said last week they opened aljamain sterling 
up to unnecessary criticism because there was all this time that expired. And I know largely you like the way I think it was Mark Smith handled that situation, you know, but there were four minutes that elapsed in my mind that the fight should have been stopped prior. And again, I'm reading right from the rules here, Ray, intentional fouls. If an intentional foul causes an injury and the bout is allowed to continue, the referee shall notify the authorities and deduct two points from the fighter who caused the foul. And then, of course, Piotr Jan probably would have just, you know, finished things from there and the two points wouldn't have mattered. But it would have been two points. You know, we we did suggest that on broadcast. Not one. It would have been two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two points would uh, – okay, but what what if the guy can't continue, though? Well, that's the point is that, right, you stop the fight then and there. Right. No, they did the right thing in that no. instance. My, my point with Mark Smith, because I, I don't know what the uh, – honestly, what the correct – you got to follow whatever protocol they have or whatever the rules are. My point was he showed a lot of compassion. That that was what my yes. – he was concerned. You know, great referee, well, great human I'm being. Like, and I'm going on that. I'll go with, you know, there's no right way to do wrong and there's no wrong way to do right. You know what I mean? That guy felt for Aljo. He was compassionate. Whether he took an extra two or three minutes, you know, I. but I, I think based on what I saw right after the fight – he took those two or three minutes with Aljo's best interest in. in to say, I think so. right and wrong. That's all I'm saying. I I thought the guy. That's that's what I saw. Not not an arrogant guy. That it's my way or the highway, or you know, like a hundred percent agree. That's and that's the difference. That's all. I I'm guess saying. I just see him sort of writhing in pain. You know, the bout can't continue. Is like is is Aljo miraculously in two minutes going to say, you know what? I'm starting to gain some clarity. Let me get back to my feet and say, I, just, I don't know. I just felt like it was an eventuality. So, yeah, my point, even with the faking, the, no matter what, everybody's agreeing it was a hard knee. I don't think anybody right. disagrees with that. Yeah. So, obviously, you compromised. You have to be. That's, you know, a fight ending blow in a normal situation, right? Yeah. So, the, the, where do we get to the faking part, though? The, I, I, that's what, I don't even care. He should, but he should fake. Who gives a shit? Well, right. What, right what are you talking about? The guy just had his yeah. head blasted off. Like, you want to say he was faking? Faking what? The degree of how bad he was hurt? When nobody's turning to the other guy and going, what the fuck would possession and need a guy like that? You well, know what I mean? That's what people need to kind of realize is I, I think kind of the best way to think about it is thinking in terms of what is intentional. You know, it's almost like if I'm going in to hit someone and I kind of skim my head off to of somebody – and we collide heads. That's an unintentional headbutt. Yeah. But if I make the motion with my head to purposely headbutt another dude, that's an intentional headbutt. If I purposely am trying to knee someone, that's an intentional knee. I meant to knee. It hit the guy's head. That's an intentional knee. And it's unfortunate, but um, I don't know. It, it's uh, I mean, so it's what, crazy. What, I, I think a lot of fighters hopefully are learning from this. So the only way Aljo could have won in that situation – is if he would have had bleeding on the brain and he was in a fucking coma. You know, I don't know. That's it. Oh, oh yeah, I guess that means, you know, I've seen guys, look, I've seen a million concussions myself. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, whether he, there's different, I guess there is, you know, you're going to go to the hospital, they're going to release you 99%. Yes. It's very yes. rare that, you know, you, you have blood on the brain. If you're in that, if that happens, we got a totally different situation. So to even say, yeah, he was released from the hospital and he's fine. Yeah, everybody is. You know, it's so true. And I've that, been that, to the hospital three times with concussions. Yeah. Twice I was scanned and released, yeah. and then one time they actually let me go without even doing any sort of scan. So. Right. So I mean, you know that that's the point. Like, of course yeah. you're okay. Like, they, it's a precaution, but it's not taken away that you got blasted. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we send Aljo back in, and he takes another. One of those knees. What do you think the second impact is going to do on top of the first right. impact? You're right. I mean, Affect his ability to be a father, maybe. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking faking. Like fake yeah. what? Right. What did he fake? Yeah. Uh, he wasn't as wobbly as he should have been, or you know, he didn't start talking about you know what he did last summer when they were asking him the questions because he was completely out of it. I've seen everything. I've looked. Normally, guys, they get concussed. They'll ask me the same question 20 times in a row. Was it that, you know, and those guys, I'm, you know, I'm calling the ambulance for. <laughs> yeah, the, and yeah. I, again, I've seen a million things. I saw a, a guy get dropped in the gym, right? Big guy. The guy dropped in the gym. I, I, I go, you all right? He goes, I'm six years old and I'm on a farm. And the guy never left Queens in his life, <laughs> right? So I'm like, Jeez, oh, he's fucking yeah. I, I leave him. I think he's joking. 
Because, you know, we have a right, relationship. Right. And then, luckily, there was a <laughs> She goes, the guy's not kidding. Yeah. He, you know, so, you know, we have to drive him home. Right. Read him the, you know, the concussion protocol to his wife. Guy never even went to the hospital. Yeah. He was right. okay. Right. You, you see right. what I'm saying? Like, I, right. some of this shit is, you you know, because, look, obvious, I, I get mad when people that know this shit don't fucking, you know, they, 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 their comments, they want a narrative. They want to get out there and they're going to, you know, that's, yeah. that's the flow, you know, just like politics. Yeah. You're going to flow in that direction, right? But they know what the deal is. You know, a lot of people get concussed and a lot of people are, are fine the next day. You know, that guy came back to the gym and was laughing when I told him that. But, you know, does he remember it? No, he was no. concussed. But some guys get blasted and they're just shooken up. Yeah. You still send them. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Old McDonald had a farm. All right, we got sixty seconds. We'll we'll get you out of here on this. Oh, man. This is it. Umi Nakuda. Oh, come on, man. CFFC flyweight champion coming to an octagon near you in all likelihood. How about Pumi, man? I've been kind of tracking this kid from afar a little bit. Our producer Cody Merrow's a big fan, and uh, some nice shiny gold for uh, for Team Sarah Longo. What can you tell us about Pumi's uh, regional title victory, my man? I'll tell you what, Pumi saved the day for me because he loses that fight. I reek. I might. I'm. I'm on this. <laughs> I'm on this show saying I'm done. Yeah, I am, yeah. I'm quitting. But what a breath of fresh air this kid is, man. He worked his ass off. If everybody worked as hard as Pumi, they'd get the same results. That's that's what I'm going to say. He works his fucking ass off, and I'm going to tell you a funny story. Uh, in the, in the second, no, in the third round, like he's dominating the fight, right? In the third round, he gets kicked in the balls bad and he's down. And I'm like, fuck my life, man. <laughs> so what do I got to go? I start screaming, take the belt. They'll DQ you. You'll get the belt. Stay down. No, I'm only joking. Right? <laughs> I know that's what all the right? fuck. Is it? I know that's of what course. all the haters want to hear. But in my, head, in my head, I'm going, holy shit, they're going to DQ this guy. And Pumi's going <laughs> to I mean, it'll be two in a in a, in a week. It's just hard, right? But he got up and obviously finished the fight. Unanimous decision. But the kid told me, he goes, dude, that changed the fight. I mean, I was hurt. Like, people don't get it. You get kicked in the balls and you continue. Okay, so you must be fine. Some guys right. are going to go through right. it, but you're not the same guy you were before that kick in the balls. Yeah. Right? No, I only wish that for those people who are sitting on their couch thinking that a fighter is not tough enough. It's like, do you have a child around who can kick in the fucking balls? Have them come over and do it yeah, yeah, and right. see if you can then fight another man for another 10 minutes if need be. I, it's and, just, look, and then, John, we're all evolving, right, with all the info we have on CTE. Look, man, I come from a place where you got dropped in the gym, you're sparring the next day. Or you, at that time, you're out of the gym because that's what yeah. they, everybody's looking for. How tough are you? Can you? But now it's that that mentality, like a lot of stuff that's what we change. That's just not the mentality. You know, I, I, Aljo's not going to do nothing for a minimum of a month. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, obviously the UFC wants to run that fight back as quick as possible, but uh, what what does that mean? No, of course. Hey, uh, thanks for your time. As always, we're coming up on the six-year anniversary of the Anakin Florian podcast. I don't know if we have anything planned, but uh, you were with us for the first episode, the first week of April, 2015. Yeah, right. Still going strong, Raymond. Still going strong. Let's go. We got to be doing something right, no? I think we're doing a few things right. I, I know I'm Ken Flo's upset because I did a deep dive into the rule book today, but it is what it is. I <laughs> can only wish that the hatred I've received in the last week never happens to anybody. It's all love here. I mean, it's it all was all balanced out by the love you get yeah, on the was, podcast, right? <laughs> what a rough week that this was, I tell you. If I could get by this, I'd be good to go. Hey, another 10 years of hitting mitts and that. Initiative yeah. begins in earnest here in 15 minutes. So have a good private and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday, if not sooner, my brother. All right, guys. And please send my, uh, my love to Bilal, man. I hope his, I, I hope his eyes are right. And I hope if the world is right, he gets an immediate rematch with that guy. Yeah. With you. We will. Thank you, Ray. So man, I'll talk to you. And you can catch Bilal Muhammad. Remember the show. 
my twin brother Jason Anik co-hosts every Thursday around 8.30 p.m. Eastern on this very channel, and they will be back Thursday, and we'll see if Bilal goes eye patch for the game show this week. But remember the show uh, live this Thursday night right here on the Anik and Florian Podcast YouTube channel. All right, UFC Fight Night, Brunson versus Holland live this Saturday. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Main event challenge is brought to you by Odd Shark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in depth analysis for each game. Their free stats, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Odd Shark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. Quick update on the standings. Team Anik, led by Ian Parker, who is not here to gloat, by the way, won the week 4 0. Kendall had Dan Ige. They changed to Gavin Tucker. So Team Anik takes the lead. 30 to 27 and with us to make picks today my man good friend of the program longtime listener massive ufc fan so my expectations are high for this man uh if you know the golf and clothing company travis matthew this man works very hard for them he is ryan tracy and he is with us good morning my man it's great to see you Thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Like I've been telling my wife about a thousand times last couple uh-huh. of weeks. This is like an honor and privilege of the highest order. Uh, Anik, I think you're the best in the business. Told you that numerous times. You know, I'm a big fan of all sports, but I think with the US, UFC and ESPN and just the, the general, my last two or three years, all my fandom has gone really to here. And I think when it comes to a host who's got it all, uh, you've been the best man. And Kenny, you're a legend, dude. I mean, I was saying to my wife, I, at least John's a fan and a journalist. And, you know, I feel like I can relate a little bit. Yeah. Like, I don't deserve, like, I bow, man. I don't deserve to <laughs> Stop. fights with the great Kenny Florian, dude. Not only what you've done in the octagon, but around the game and uh, all of the teaching you've done, all the material and what have you. You're my competition this week, so I hope you have a shit week. Obviously, <laughs> I hope you lose here. But, uh, thanks, thanks, Ryan. For having, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Ryan, you're the man, and I know you're much younger than we are. So, like, Kenny retired October of 2011. He actually retired December of 2011, but his last fight was against Jose Aldo, October of 2011. When would you say you became the avid diehard fan that that you are now? Like, were you watching him fight Jose Aldo in 2011? Probably not. No, I caught up on it, though, over the last couple of weeks. (laughs) So I've been digging back in the books. But, um, you know, what's funny is – you know, my grandmother's 94, and this week I was over with her going through her stuff. We're going through it. She's kind of getting things out. And her and I were laughing because I, I was telling her that I'm, she had no idea what I was talking about, of course. But <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping on the podcast. And we rented UFC like one wow. back from Blockbuster when I stayed with her when I was like however old, six, seven or whatever, and watched it where he had no gloves and, and the one – uh, the one guy was like 300 pounds and the yeah. other guy had no gloves. All right. And he got on top of him. And we were laughing about that to where the sport is now. It's not as ESPN. I huge it was. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I watched the fight night the other night. She didn't say that. But, you know, uh-huh. it's, right. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So I've always been a fan, but really it's been since I had last three or four years. I really, I think the whole trajectory with ESPN and the storylines, how much coverage there is and just in, in, around the game, you, know, you guys and so many great podcasts to watch during the week while I'm working, I can listen to stuff. And, right. Um, but I've, I've the last couple of weeks went back and watched all of the Ken flow memories, man. And, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Kenny, I was thinking the only, per, you know, BJ was coming off of that loss to GSP, right. When he fought yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the most dangerous BJ pen in the world's history, right? <laughs> like who, who would want to face coming down a weight class. Right. And, I mean, so, and that's the only guy who's ever submitted you, I think. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's Hey, listen, so man, funny hey, you say that. It's so funny you say that, RT, because, dude, he fought the fucking best version of BJ. Like, why did Ken Flo have to fight the BJ that was in the shape of his life? Like, couldn't he have fought, like, lazy, soft BJ? You know? That was Super Saiyan BJ Penn, Ken Flo. So, hey, man, everyone's going to get the back taken from that guy. <laughs> All right, we got four picks to make today. It's UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Holland. And the first fight, this is handpicked by me because it's a prelim fight. It's not even the featured prelim, but I think the stakes are significant in the lightweight division. Grant Dawson minus 200, Leonardo Santos plus 170. So, Ken Flo, I'm going to take you back to June 8th, 2013. You and I called Leo Santos' UFC debut. It was on the equator. 
in Fortaleza, Brazil, to this day, hottest broadcast environment that I have ever been in. And he hasn't lost throughout this entire time. It's incredible, right, Ryan? 13 fight unbeaten streak. He's 7-0-1 in the UFC. So injuries and activity have been a part of the story. What are your thoughts on Leo Santos in this spot here against Grant Dawson? Leo Santos, what a story. Like you're saying, someone's got to contact his management. Either he wants to fight once a year or once every couple of years or and just hang out in Brazil and come back. Because I know he trains, right? And he's also a corner man. He's been yeah, oh, yeah. Corner before. But his, if you look at his record, it's like, why is this guy not fighting for a belt or contending in the title You know, uh, pitcher as far as his name? Hasn't lost at one draw, I think, since 2009. Crazy. And if you, if you do like the video research on him, <clears throat> he has a flying arm bar, arm bar on GSP. You guys know that? And the, and the ADCC. So, I yep. mean, as, as far as a guy who's not afraid to go on the ground and, and compete, he hasn't lost for all these years. I really like him in this fight just because until you see him lose, you know, I, I know he had a really rough go in the last uh, fight because he took a couple of, uh, it, it was almost a disqualification because right. he, uh, in points because he took two low blows. He also took a shot to the head and the knee all in one fight. But Grant Dawson, man, you know, I'm a Grant Dawson fan. And I think him bumping up a weight class here, right, is a super smart move for him. He's had weight um, yes. on the last fight issues. I know you had a couple different things, but he's also in the corner, works with Kraus. I think that guys who have a chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. are dangerous. He's coming up a, a weight class and wants to prove himself. It's a very good fight. I'm glad you called it out. I wasn't prepping for it immediately. Um, I feel like Leo Santos should really win this fight as far as you're looking at history. But I'm going to pick Grant Dawson to come in and, and really and, and take it. I don't know where, but I think that he's going to come in and be really excited about being in the weight class and have something to prove. And it's going to be a tough night out, though. 16-1 overall for Grant Dawson. Ken Flo, he's 4-0 in the UFC. 2-1 to one favorite here. He's won seven in a row. Hopefully, he's up 155 pounds for good. You know, we gave him our rookie of the year, or at least I did on this show, Kenny, in 2019. Chips to the center of the table on Grant Dawson, and I think now he has found the right weight class. Um, but Leo Santos obviously has a lot of different skills. You don't necessarily know which version you're going to get because of some of the inactivity. What do you make of this one kid at 155 pounds? This is an interesting fight. I think Grant Dawson uh, has some of the best takedowns I've seen in a long time. Uh, really puts it together very well. Um, I, I see his biggest weakness being on the feet. I, I don't think he's the most precise or technical striker. But he is dangerous. And he does a great job of setting up his takedowns. Uh, and on the ground, that's where he does his best work. In my mind, he's as excellent grounded pound, good positioning, uh, uh, you know, excellent uh, setups to his submissions uh, and, and really good pressure. I don't think that's the best matchup, though, against someone like a Leonardo Santos, who is a true Brazilian jiu-jitsu legend. I mean, the guy has been competing in. Uh, you know, at a very high level in the jiu-jitsu world for a long time. He was one of the guys that I looked up to when I was coming up. So um, been a black belt a long time. He also has improved his striking significantly since we called his first fight back in 2013. Um, I think he has sharp hands. I think he has excellent kicks um, and has really been displaying a, a, that classic Novo Nyao style. I like him in this fight. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's a little bit older. He's at the end of his career here a little bit. Um, but I, I do think uh, he matches up well, and I think he gets he gets the win here against Dawson. I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I do think Dawson is a guy to watch, but I like Santos here. And you can get Leo Santos in that plus 170 range. Again, that night in Fort Delays, I will never forget. My dress shirt was completely soaked so, through before the first prelim. And so our late producer, Bruce Connell, was like, yeah, you got to get your backup shirt. And it's like, bro, I don't bring like a second dress shirt to the show. This is what you're getting. Uh, all right. At heavyweight, boys, Tai Tuivasa, modest 245, Dontel Mays, plus 205. So, Ryan, Tuivasa, much-needed win his last time out. It was a knockout of Stefan Struve at UFC 254. That halted a three-fight skid. Mays also coming off a win after he started 0-2 in the UFC. What do you think about this one, the big boys, Tuivasa and Dontel Mays? Yeah, two really big guys for sure. <clears throat> you know, Ty, three in, he lost three in a row, but he was undefeated before that, right? And he had some tough nights out during those fights. Um, and same deal with Dante. Dante Mays is definitely one of those guys in the regional scene. You know, you go back and look at the, the data on him. He was knocking guys out. Big guy for sure. He's not making featherweight. I can tell you that. His one leg is featherweight. He's a big guy, 6'6", 250. Um, and he came in, Cyril Gain, right, right off the bat. 
Yeah, he's not had an easy road. Roque, Roque Martinez, I think it was his last fight, had a big win. Um, but I think Ty's got to get this done. You know, training AKA yeah. since, since 2020. Got a lot of time now with DC. You figure that you know, he's putting the pieces together. He's a real fun character. But I think he's got, I would even call it knockout on this one. I, I don't have to give a round in, in victory, but I'm not sure where it happened. But I think he's going to he's gonna find it with with wrestling and mixing it up. He's going to find the hands. And Dante Mays is a big guy. He's tough. He, he needs this win for sure. He needs to come out. He's, he's a tough guy, but I think Ty's got it. Yeah, big opportunity for Dontel Mays. Ken Flo, but Tai Tuivasa is the favorite, and with good reason. Pretty good strength of schedule in the UFC. Minus 245 for Tai Tuivasa. No shoeies with the audience after the fact. What do you think, Tuivasa and Mays? Ken Flo, who do you have? Yeah, you know, um, I think Mays has been susceptible to, you know, the submission game. I don't think he's going to be uh, experiencing that here against Tuivasa. Uh, but I do think that uh, he is a little bit outgunned here. Uh, Tuivasa and his experience. Uh, I, I think is going to be the difference. Both guys hitting very hard. Both are big guys. Um, but um, I think Tui Vasa uh, is eventually going to find a way to to catch Mays and, and, and get the win. All right. Both guys like Ty Tui Vasa. That brings us to the co-main event at 155 pounds. Kemflow, we will have you lead us off here. Gregor Gillespie minus 200. Brad Quake Riddell is plus 170. We'll need the round and the method of victory. What a fight. I mean, what a matchup. I, I really don't know who's going to win. Gillespie is a good friend of mine. He's very calculated. So he's been out, Kenny, since that loss to Kevin Lee. That was all the way back in 2019. You know how hard Gillespie trains, has a girlfriend now that he's very serious about. I think mentally he's in an outstanding spot. But Brad Riddell is a real problem. I think this is a fascinating matchup, thankfully. I do not have to make a pick, Ken Flo. What do you think about Gillespie and Riddell here Saturday night? Well, here's the thing. Gillespie sometimes get caught, gets caught uh, trading with a lot of guys. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't matter that, you know, you maybe have been improving your striking or, you know, that you want to kind of show the fans that you want to strike. What he does best is take guys down and submit them and control them. This is what he needs to do against Brad Riddell. Riddell is going to be a big-time problem on the feet. Riddell is uh, very sharp and very dangerous there. Um, but, of course, he, he's going to be vulnerable to the takedown game. I think that's where Gregor needs to take this fight. Um, it's it's always it can be hard figuring out how someone's going to come back from a loss, a devastating loss. Um, but you got to believe that Gregor Gillespie and his mindset, he is going to come back stronger and smarter. And I, I would like to think that he's going to look for a takedown uh, here in this fight. And if he's able to do it, I, I could see him hitting and hitting another, uh, you know, arm triangle type submission. So uh, I'm going to go with Gillespie here. I think he gets it done in round one. Round one, Greg uh, Gillespie, you're going submission there. Yes. Submission. Yeah. So Ryan, on the other side, we have Brad Riddell. He's nine and one overall three and zero in the UFC. And I found myself next to him on a treadmill in Las Vegas several so months ago. And a lot of the Kiwis and the Aussies have had some tricky navigations as far as returning to their homeland. So Brad Riddell had a big win on Fight Island. And I remember being in Vegas with him like three weeks after he won the fight. We're on the treadmill. I'm like, when are you going home? He's like, oh, I got another five weeks in the States. So I don't submit that to you for any other reason except that these guys have had a lot of challenges that have been underreported. Um, mm -hmm. And I think stylistically, this is a huge challenge for Riddell, but obviously there's tremendous upside. If he can beat a guy like Gregor Gillespie, Rye, what do you think about the co-main and who wins it? Yeah. You know, this is a, a really great fight and they're both super tough. I mean, Brad Riddell broke the orbital bone. The last guy that he fought his left hook is nasty at all times. You have to look for it. Um, you know, anyone who's training with Eugene and those guys, obviously are going to have a really good game plan. Um, they picked the matchup. They, they agreed to it. So they must finally like a, a hole somewhere with Gregor. Right. Uh, the last knockout that he got, Gillespie, you know, we're talking right pre-fight about, or, or even here in the broadcast about, you know, BJ Penn and Super Saiyan version uh, uh, versus Kenny. Well, you know, Kevin Lee, that's what's capable. You know, Kevin Lee can do that to anybody when he's firing at all cylinders. And Gregor Gillespie got it that night. I mean, that's a dangerous guy coming in. And and Kevin Lee took a, a really a risk fighting Gregor Gillespie because he's undefeated. No doubt. That. that was almost nine months ago, though. So taking all that time to recover, it sounds like you're dying. That's good insight that you know him so well that – you know, him having that kind of base with his his personal life and training and taking the time to heal, 
He's going to be really dangerous. I do believe he's going to keep it to the ground, be really smart and smother him. Uh, I do have arm triangle as well, and I'm thinking it's going to be later, though. Brad Riddell's tough to get out early. I think it's going to be third round. He'll have to be tired. Very interesting stuff. All right, main event, we will lead with you, Ryan Tracy. Kevin Holland, minus 170. Derek Derek Brunson, excuse me, plus 150. So Brunson, still a dark horse for me in this division. He's won three in a row. That includes a main event knockout of the previously undefeated Edmund Shabazian. That was last August. Holland, as is well documented, 5-0 in 2020. That came after a late 2019 loss to Brendan Allen. Brunson, Holland, high stakes here, right at 185 pounds. Who do you have and how do they get it done? Man, Brunson is so strong. And, you know, him coming off of two wins, fighting Edward Shabazian. I had Shabazian in that fight going into it. I really thought that was going to be his chance to make a mark. And, right. again, talking about the seriousness of, of this sport, you know, um, next day he's in a, in a neck brace and in a hospital after fighting Derek Brunson. I mean, Derek is really tough and strong and coming in. But Kevin Holland, man, I mean, 5-0 and in one year. Like, you know, when Dana goes through all those numbers, Dana White, and he goes through how hard it is to get into the UFC and then how hard to get in the top 10 and go into the top five and like the percentages for Kevin Holland to do that against top 10, he's top 10, right? I think he's got to be at this point. I can check as you're talking, but he's got to yeah. be close. I mean, if he's not to be five and oh, in, in that division with all those killers, I don't see how in his first fight coming into this year with, with the time and rest he had that he's losing it, you know, so I'm going to have him in the fourth round TKO. I don't know how. But I think that he's going to be able to take him. Kempfel, what do you think about the main event? Derek Brunson has cashed for a lot of people coming up on 17 or 18 UFC fights, has had a penchant for coming up large when people have discounted him. What do you think about Brunson here out of the red corner in the main event? You know, for better or worse, Derek Brunson has kind of become that measuring stick for that division, right? Um, And I agree with you. I think that when you underestimate Derek Brunson, that's when he's most dangerous. I think that he sees a great opportunity by being a part of this main event and, and gaining some more fans and kind of proving that he is one of the top in the division. However, he's going against a guy in Kevin Holland who has a lot of momentum right now, who has been extremely active and who is dangerous on all fronts. He's, you know, maybe his wrestling might be the weakest part of his game, but he's pretty good there too. This guy's got submissions. He's a good striker. He's got the reach. He knows how to use it. Uh, He's great at keeping guys on the outside. And um, I think he's very aware of of his vulnerabilities as well. So I think Kevin's a smart fighter. um, And uh, I I like him in this fight. I think he gets it done. I think he wins. Um, I'll I'll go with uh, TKO round three. Um, And uh, I think if he's able to get by a very tough Derek Brunson, I think he's a guy who could maybe be fighting for the belt uh, later this year or next year. Yeah. The middleweight division is not cleaned out with respect to the undisputed champion Israel Alasanya, and certainly whoever emerges this weekend is going to have a lot to say about that. Uh, Ryan Tracy from Travis Matthew, if you notice my loud and proud M right here. For all of the things that we don't like about social media, it allows me to connect with somebody like you. I know we've been friends for about a year, but finally seeing yeah. your mug today was was good for the first time. So uh, at Travis Matthew on Instagram, if you want to check out the gear. But Ryan Tracy, great to see you, man. We appreciate the support, and uh, hopefully. This makes this fight night a little bit more enjoyable for you this weekend, knowing that you 100%. went head to head with uh, with the great Kent Flo. Thank you both so much for the opportunity. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Tracy with us for the main event challenge this week. All right, we'll see what happens this weekend. UFC fight night, Brunson versus Holland. Will we get a no contest on the main card? Will there be a foul that we're talking about? But I will say, just sort of in putting a bow on things, as far as the scoring and the judging and the officiating it seems like we end up talking about these things on a almost weekly basis and it kind of is what it is and you know i try to walk that line where it's still you know being honest and critical but not you know being too offensively so but i am a fan at my core and i print this and i bring it with me to every show that doesn't mean i've mastered all of this so i know there are a lot of people out there that want to levy criticism at broadcasters or people out there and As someone who wasn't even a part of the show, I'm just saying that we are all trying to learn as best we can and uh, and inform and and make this sport, you know, as good as it can be. So hopefully uh, today's podcast was was an exercise and a step in the right direction. That's all. Absolutely. I mean, I listen, mean, it, it, and it can get confusing, but uh, that's why you're the best, man. You, you well, prepare all the time. And, and I know you weren't doing it for that reason, but I think that 
um, you know, knowing the rules and, and keeping up with things and, and being able to educate the fans of what's going on uh, is super important, um, you know, and, and it can get confusing for the fighters as well. You know, um, we, well, right. we kind of focus so much on just training and, 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 and fighting and uh, on that end of things. And I think that's why you get situations like, let's say, uh, the, the Piotr Jan, where he's looking to his corner and asking whether he should <laughs> knee him or kick him or not. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's right. Yeah. Well, and again, in diving in this morning, I found out that it was two points definitively and not one if Sterling and Jan was to have continued. It also says here, uh, biting in any form is illegal, Ken Flo. You also can't spit on your opponent. Ah, come on. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks to Ryan Tracy for stepping up on the main event challenge. We will be back with more selections next week, of course, for UFC 260, Miacic versus Nganu 2. Thanks to Ray Longo and, of course, our executive producer, Cody Merrow, truly the lifeblood of this show. Don't forget, merchandise is available at com. Promo code AF10 to get 10% off of your order. Also, Florian 15, I think, for 15% off if you're listening. Sorry, Cody. I love you. Also, don't forget Kemflo's YouTube channel for guys like me that want to just dive into jujitsu 24-7, 365. We will talk to you next Monday, if not sooner. Until then, for Kemflo, I'm John Anik. Don't text and drive. And again, if you want to uh, put your mask above your nose, we can actually uh, we can actually go wheels up. Otherwise, you're going to have to deboard the jet plane. I got to get out of here. Yo, later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next week.